you do like the feeling of power you have as a newspaper proprietor of being able to sort of formulate policies for a large number of newspapers in every state of Australia? Well, there's only one honest answer to that, of course, and that's yes. Of course one enjoys the feeling of power. The newspaper can create great controversies, stir up uh, arguments within the community, discussion, it can throw light on injustices, just as it can do the opposite. It can hide things uh, and be a great power for evil. It's not a perfect system, obviously, but can you think of a better one? Hello and welcome to episode six of Murdocracy, a podcast that keeps an eye on the news and influence of News Corp, the most influential media company in the Western world. I'm Cam Wilson. And I'm Sammy Shah. Hey, Sammy, how are you this week? Good, good, good. Been a, a busy week, keeping an eye on the news, keeping an eye on all the Murdoch headlines and, and stories and reading all the opinion pieces, you know, on it, both sides of the uh, net zero campaign. And then uh, <laughs> and then basically wishing I had an Aston Martin that ran on cheese and whey, um, like Prince Charles. But I guess not all of us have, have that kind of luck. You mean you, you don't have one of those, you don't get that uh, on, the, on a journal salary? No, it turns out all I have is a, is a 2009 Toyota Corolla that runs on on my my income, basically. But man, it is remarkable. <laughs> Can you imagine driving an Aston Martin that runs on wine and cheese? How is that not the only thing anyone ever talks about all the time? I Oh, is that real? I thought you were joking. No, no. This is So Prince Charles was interviewed by the BBC um, about environmentalism. Uh, you might have seen like the bits about the interview where he, he kind of critiqued Scott Morrison for not attending yep. Glasgow. Um, the other thing that came out of that interview was a while ago, apparently, his 50 plus year old Aston Martin had been converted to run on wine, on excess British wine and uh, the way extract from cheese. So he literally oh had a car that on the wine and cheese. Are you for real? <laughs> yes. It is the coolest thing on earth. That, I never thought I'd say Prince like... Charles is cool, but yeah, I think he's cool. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's like, if if I wrote that in a fictional novel, someone would yeah. be like, that's too on the nose. Come yes. on. Yes. Come on, really? Exactly. <laughs> hey, Sammy, I have a really important question to ask you before we get into the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Are you ready for succession? This week. Oh, so yes. Now here's the thing. Um, I've been re-binging season one and two of Succession to remind myself of how good it is. And uh, oh my god, it is so good. It actually gets better on the second viewing, which I didn't realize the writing is that sharp. And now I'm just really hyped for season three because wow, like yeah, it's it's gonna be very intense. So Succession for those people who don't know, is uh, very, very closely based on the Murdochs. Well, I mean, it's not not technically. They try and, you know, say that it's not, and they do take um, leaves out of the books of other kind of rich and famous families. But if you are someone who is kind of interested in the machinations of News Corp and the family that controls it, the succession is a great series to watch yeah absolutely Uh, so here's my question right because the machinations of the family that owns it is something that i only have experience about or or knowledge of from you know the odd new yorker article or something you know in crikey or or um saturday paper or something um how close is this by your estimation 10 percent or 70 percent oh 
Oh, way, way closer to to seventy percent. So I mean, really? so Succession is about a, a a family that owns a media company. Uh, it's a kind of media company that has uh, is a little bit behind the times. So it's you know they have a news channel, kind of like Fox News. It's also quite conservative as well. They also have like other things outside of their um news company. So they've got things like parks and stuff. And as you know, like you know News Corp and an association with Fox and how they've had. Uh, you know, entertainment and stuff. And they've got this kind of um, battle between, well, there's, there's four children and, a, and an, an, an aging um, patriarch of the family. But really, there's, there's three children who are kind of duking it out to take control of the family business, which is still, despite having shareholders and all that other stuff, very much run by the family. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. there, like I was listening to, I'll give a shout out to another podcast, um, uh, the culture, which is Schwartz Media's um, um, podcast about um, pop culture, and they did something about it, and they kind of pointed out that uh, you know there, there's influences from kind of other you know rich media families, but it really, really is it. There is a, you know a strong sense uh, that it is um, uh, really about the Murdochs. Yes, I mean, but that's been the whole sales pitch, right? When it was coming out, is that this is a show about the Murdochs. I'm just wondering in terms of like. Are there actual scenes that can be traced back to real scenes in the Murdoch family, things like that? Like, how insider is the info? Yeah, I don't know. I, I do know uh, that uh, when Rupert Murdoch had his 90th birthday, which was just very recently, uh, they they cut up a clip uh, and, you know, uh, of they did a video tribute as part of it. And mm-hmm. under the video tribute, they actually played the succession music oh, that's for brilliant. his, like, legit tribute. So it is, apparently some of the children have watched the show some haven't sammy if there was a tv show inspired by your life mm-hmm. you would definitely watch it wouldn't you yeah who anyone who says that it's like, it's like that thing when someone says they never google themselves someone famous will say that and you're like you liar Bullshit. of course you are <laughs> um, you twitter search your name yeah. like you do it all <laughs> so yeah of course they're watching it and of course i mean rupert murdoch might not be watching it but i think pretty sure everyone else in the family is so on to this week's episode, we, we were going to have Ken Joshi, who is a renewables and clean energy uh, consultant and great writer, um, but he actually and his partner have had their the second child. And so that meant yes. that he was uh, kind of busy otherwise, but uh, we wish them well. We, we hope the child is is happy and healthy, which I think it is. We'll kick on otherwise and maybe we'll get a chance to get him on the future, but we will get a chance nonetheless Absolutely. to talk yeah. about uh, the News Corp Net Zero uh, campaign. No, and, and congratulations, Ketan. We're disappointed that you prioritized the birth of your second child over this podcast, but, you know, we're willing to overlook that. Totally, totally. Second child, I think, is a bit borderline. Third yeah, child, third I would child, probably come, come on the on. podcast. Yeah, I know. First child, we understand. So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll give you this one. We it's a wine ball. <laughs> Now on to the News Corp news of the week. This week was the first week of Mission Zero, News Corp's net zero by 2050 campaign. Here's a quote from them on the front of the Daily Telegraph. For decades, the vexed issue of climate change has toppled our prime ministers and torn governments apart. Today, 
we launch a new series to determine where we need to go to and how we can get there without leaving any Australians behind. I like uh, that quote, by the way, where, for the decades of vexed issue of climate change has toppled our prime ministers because it's basically for, it should be for decades, the vexed issue of climate change has forced us to topple the prime ministers. But still, yes. <laughs> it is, I, I did notice that, it's very passive language. And mm-hmm. if you're taught anything in journalism school, you're told to use active language, you know, assign actions to people, say who was responsible for it. But yeah. this, I think you go like, passive when it's you who's responsible. Yeah. Someone did this and we just we just have no idea who <laughs> but as for not leaving any australians behind there were some australians in news corp who were left behind andrew bolt of course came out to say that the news corp australia's major campaign to speed up climate action is rubbish and that the global warming propaganda is there to provide political cover for scott morrison according to the guardian's amanda mead um bolt's column later in the week says about climate change action. This is a religion. So let's just jump from the coal plane and trust the green gods to catch us before we splat. Mead also pointed out that in an exclusive interview with Gina Reinhardt that was supposed to be positive, it ended up being a little bit less than positive. The headline, solar, a costly exercise. And in it, she said, we are concerned about rushing to reduce emissions and how that will cost taxpayers billions in subsidies. And it doesn't just stop with farmers having this problem. City people will find the cost of their food will have to increase. Um, And then on top of all that, if that wasn't enough, nine papers, Zoe Samuels, report the Daily Telegraph also ran an ad during the campaign from a climate change denying group calling climate change a furphy. Sammy, this is week one of the campaign. Mm-hmm. How do you think week two is going to go? Well, I just want to end week one with uh, a snapshot of uh, the commentary section of the Australian, the weekend Australian rather, where Greg Sheridan has written an article right saying net zero target is a rallying cry, not reality. And how basically Scott Morrison is going to ruin his voter base by going net zero. Chris Kenny's written one, the climate policy is tearing us apart. Um, We've got one other, uh, Peter Van Onselen, I will say, um, has criticized the Nats for not joining them in the climate policy stuff. But, you know, there's three out of uh, five columns are critical of the climate policy already. I think this is very much the case of, um, you know, when uh, when you do something, when, when a country does something, uh, you know, for example, human rights atrocities, and, you know, the United Nations goes, why are you doing human rights atrocities? And the country says, we will no longer do human rights atrocities. Look at us, we're now becoming good. And the they continue to do the human rights atrocities, but now they just make a, a, a concerted effort to present themselves as good. It's, it's something you see in Saudi Arabia, for example, you know, with the current government, and you've seen it in, in a lot of other th- developing nations do this thing. That's what they're doing. That's all News Corp is doing. They're still as anti-climate change for their voter base as they need to be. But the front page of the newspaper presents a different image for the Glasgow conference, etc. We, we've covered this before. I think even with what we've seen and, and what mm. we kind of knew saying that you know, net zero by 2050 is actually not enough. That's not according to me. That's according to scientists. Committing to just net zero by 2050 is committing to like a climate apocalypse. Even with that in mind, even if like you're like, okay, well, you know, that's nice of you to say, but you know, they can only do what they can do. Their commitment to really trying to push for this has been pretty half-assed, I have mm-hmm. to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
They, we know what it looks like when they really try to push you something. That's just it. You know, the the um, the headlines when they were trying to get rid of Kevin Rudd, for example, in that election, um, you know, against Tony Abbott. Those were an example of when Newscope really gets behind a, a singular message of what it can turn out. And we are not seeing that at all right now. So, yeah, it's pretty clear where the, where the <laughs> level of commitment lies. And to show this level of commitment, Sammy, I want to play a game, and I'm springing this on you. I said I had Mm -hmm. a little surprise for you. Yes. Here is my surprise. Um, Let's play a game. It's called News Corp or Energy Company Press Release. Ooh, I like this. And uh, as you can probably tell from the uh, title, I've gone through some of the articles from this campaign. Mm-hmm. And I've also gone through some press releases from uh, mining and energy companies. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a quote that's not attributed, that is either from one of the two, and you're going to tell me which one you think it is from. And I'll, I'll give you a, a few more details. All right, sure. You ready? I've got four here. I'm just going to say before you go, do you think you're, you, are you confident you'll be able to tell them? To be very honest, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I mean, In you're... fact, I would give the benefit of the doubt to the mining companies because I think they do a better job of pretending to be environmentalists than <laughs> Newscope. I think you're underselling your skills, Sammy. <laughs> all right, let's do this. Let's see how good I am all at right. spotting propaganda. At number one, perhaps the major reason that climate change action has been so repeatedly stalled in this country is that debate has fallen victim to a culture of constant complaint that nothing is ever good enough and everything is too little too late what do you reckon i would say new scope that sounds like a, a piece from an opinion column, um, possibly by someone who wants to see some climate change, but is frustrated by um, the way climate change advocacy groups work. Ding, 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 ding. You are correct. So that is, from, <laughs> that is from the, uh, the main piece for this called Mission Zero, putting Australia on a path to net zero future. Mm-hmm. What's kind of interesting is that in their kind of campaign, and, and this is being led by Joe Hildebrand, um, it's... It, to me, it's it's obviously not just making the case for net zero. One, it's making a really big case of the fact that News Corp is stepping in. You're really like, it is essentially a kind of uh, uh, almost like image, you know, re, uh, almost like a, a, a PR campaign to say that, you know, we are doing something and that everything, you know, there's been all this other uh, division elsewhere, but finally, you know, the adults in the room are um, stepping in. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and as part of that, as part of putting themselves up, they're kind of have to put other people down as well rather than like a positive campaign of like let's all do this together (laughs) they're like look at all these children like just you know fighting it out as usual it's time that you know the real grown-ups do something okay number two batteries and energy storage are critical to supporting increased growth of renewable energy generation and in turn driving down pressure on wholesale electricity prices i mean that's very obviously uh, a mining company correct there's no um, style to the writing. Yeah. yeah. That is a corporate <laughs> memo. Say know? what you want, but at least you know the, the News Corp journals, they have, they have flair. They're good yeah. writers. You, can't, you cannot deny that they have flair. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is from AGL Chief Operating Officer uh, Marcus Brokoff. So I think he needs to work on his writing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Avoiding power price hikes with a smooth transition from fossil fuels to renewable energy is a central goal of the nation's electricity producers and biggest emitters i'm going to go back to mining companies wrong 
That really? is from the article, Australia's 10 highest greenhouse gas emitters and how they're cutting back as part of this campaign. An article that was criticized as saying, well, you're doing this, uh, you, you know, you're doing this campaign about going to net zero. And what you do is you go and speak to the biggest polluters and give them a free kick to greenwash themselves. Oh, wow. Okay. Um... That's an interesting take, but also, yeah, you know, <laughs> all right, fine. I got that one wrong. All right, give me another one. Hit me okay, another one. Okay, final one. The energy transition has real-world impacts for, for workers and local communities. This is a real-world challenge that we must meet by employing a range of technologies. That would definitely be mining companies. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that yeah, is from right. yeah. Energy Australia pledges to accelerate the clean energy transition from Mark Collette, Energy Australia Managing Director. I agree. You know, they, they, they do need to work a bit on their writing, don't they? Definitely. Like, I mean, it's one of those things where it depends on their audience. Their audience doesn't want flair. <laughs> so they, they, they go bland. Totally, totally. Yeah. All right, that was not bad. You got three out of four. I did a lot better than I thought I would. I'm, I'm, I'm quite proud of myself. <laughs> I will take whatever win I can get these days. <laughs> Sammy, last week we were wondering about the NRL and News Corp and mm-hmm. kind of how we got here. Um, well, there was some reporting this week from Zoe Samis, Michael Chamis, and Adrian Pozenko, which went into some more details, which I thought were quite interesting about the history of News Corp and uh, the National Rugby League. I'll just read a little bit from it. And they explain some like, you know, even to someone like yourself who's self-admitted, not super into sport, there's some pretty juicy history around the kind of power between major media companies and and, and playing for uh, having the rights to to show the sport. Mm. So in, in the late 1990s, News Corp's failure to secure a pay television rights to broadcast the rugby league led to a lengthy legal battle between Australia's most renowned media moguls, Kerry Packer and Rupert Murdoch. The Super League, which uh, was, ended with two rugby league competitions running alongside one another in 1997 before a peace deal was struck the following year. In 2015, after the NRL signed a 925 million five-year deal, woof, not bad, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, with its free-to-air partner nine on the first day of Murdoch's visit to Australia, <laughs> very, very convenient timing, huh? <laughs> yeah, when the king arrives, he gets shit done. I know. Well, no, no, that's that's uh, they signed the deal when Murdoch arrived with Mm -hmm. the competition company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It led to a vitriol campaign against NRL boss Dave Smith, who ended up resigning in the middle of negotiations. The long-standing tensions between News Corp and the NRL now appear to be under water under a bridge as Volandis took the helm in 2019. He's run uh, racing New South Wales since 2004, and as a result, has a long-standing relationship with News Corp, its newspapers. Media executives say that this relationship is an important part of why Foxtel loves the NRL again. Sammy, so, mean, maybe I'm being a bit naive, but mm. isn't it crazy that these, like, you know, literally now billion-dollar deals are all kind of, you know, hinging off these, like, very personal relationships? Well, that's I, I can't remember in what context it was, but we had, we ended up making the same observation about something last week I, as well. I remember, and it it is very much that it's very much a personality politics game. In the end, we, you know, uh, it, there's a small pool of people who are playing the game at this level with you know this much money, um, and and it's not surprising that that you know they all end up hanging out in the same bars and the same clubs and the same, you know, soirees and, and making these deals over there. There's, um, in Pakistan, 
we've got i keep going back to pakistan but you know the, it just for the media the scene over there is very interesting because if if you're a rich person like a, a billionaire you set up a tv channel it's just a thing you do and it allows you to protect your media interests and your to protect your reputation because if anyone attacks you your entire tv channel can attack them and so you end up with all these really rich people who hate each other but all also occupy the same space and so and all have the same amount of money so they also kind of hang out together and the kids all marry each other and it becomes a feudal kind of setup and oh. you see the similar thing here where you know the the friendships between for example um the you know the uh, Rupert Murdoch's son and 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 some of the other media moguls children you know has been a long standing thing they've all had relationships in the end these guys may all see each other's competition but they see it as a friendly competition it's much the same way as you know when when everyone clocks off in canberra they all head to the same bar whether they be labor liberal greens or or one nation um there there seems to be a camaraderie in the fact that they are part of a shared experience and um i guess if you're a multi-billionaire then your shared experience is you know a private yacht and a helicopter and the nrl totally there their class solidarity means that despite being at war with each other they all have a lot more in common with each other than they do with like you know the unwashed yeah. mashers yeah they hate us way more than <laughs> they hate each other we can definitely agree on that sammy i'm i'm kind of curious can you i mean just give us a real short uh, explainer of what is the um media landscape like in pakistan um huge it's humongous so we have uh, i'd say something like 25 to 30 tv channels at this point and most of them are 24 news channels 24 news channels are the bread and butter of the country and they're almost all privately owned there is a level of regulatory authority there's an organization called the pemra pakistan electric media regulatory authority Uh, but they look out more for morality stuff you know um Mm. nudity or sexualized content etc etc but when it comes to the the, and, and look there's a few lines you don't cross one of those being you know attacking religion or attacking the military you know um those are lines that are fairly well drawn in the sand but if you're a civilian politician and you know if you're Imran Khan if you're whoever um the media will and can and does quite often go after you and it's very much a hyper um adrenalized version of Fox News, um, you know, and CNN and 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 MSNBC. And in, in America, you see the, you know the leftist news and the right news and how they kind of fight with each other. India and Pakistan news channels have that, but on steroids. Really? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and you know they've taken to the limit in terms of how many talking heads you can have on a screen, how rude and abusive <laughs> can a can a commentator be, and a lot of those things. Um, but also at the same time, there's a lot more free free press than you would think there would be. Mm, yeah exactly how the you know you can kind of go more full full on but also if you've got more kind of outlets at least that gives more different views and, exactly. and, and op- opportunities for people to differentiate themselves because at the end of the day like you know a lot of these places are businesses right mm-hmm. and to, you know to offer your own product uh you've often got to give something you know something new and, so, and that means giving a voice to different kinds of groups which is why and we'll kind of get into this now uh there's kind of an interesting uh thing that came out about some reporting about the the senate inquiry into media diversity now mm. we spoke to uh green senator sarah hanson young a few weeks ago and That's she right. she hinted that there's a few more things on the uh, horizon and one of the things that came out this week was that News Corporation chief executive, you know, the the global big one, mm-hmm. Robert Thompson, is going to be coming and appearing before the Senate inquiry. 
Um, the senator said in a statement, the committee will have serious questions for Mr. Thompson about the organization culture and the business model that News Corp employs both in Australia and around the world, given evidence that we've heard about the treatment of women the use of their platforms for character assassination of individuals and COVID disinformation shared on Sky News that resulted in the broadcaster being banned from YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so th- that was reported, but there was an interesting part of the Australian's article, you know, reporting on themselves. Yes. Uh, a very pointed paragraph. However, the inquiry has not heard from Nine Entertainment Chairman Peter Costello or its current Chief Executive Mike Sneesby. Former Nine CEO Hugh Marks appeared in February just prior to leaving, but no Seven West media executive has fronted, nor has the inquiry heard from anyone at Channel 10 owner CBS or from the ABC or SBS. Sammy, is this is this wrong? I mean, I know we're a podcast about News Corp. I talk about how it's the most influential uh, media company, certainly I think in Australia, but I don't necessarily think that's due to just its size. It's how it uses its power. Do you think that, you know, when we're thinking about media diversity in Australia, just focusing on News Corp by itself kind of overstates, in a way, the dominance that it has? I mean, look, it's the yeah, News Corp is definitely not the only problem in Australian media. It's a big problem in Australian media in terms of the dominance it has and the kind of tone it sets and everything. But, I mean, one of the reasons, for example, why I barely have ever watched Australian television isn't because of News Corp. It's because of the few other channels that exist all present the same faces, the same media, the same bland personalities etc etc right like it's the the idea that you're doing a media diversity panel and focusing on one channel does make it i don't want to use the phrase witch hunt but it does make it quite obvious that you've got an agenda um i don't think and and, you know it was launched with the intention of that i mean the the kevin rudd campaign was about a murdoch media inquiry that became this and it always was supposed to be about media diversity Mm -hmm. but through the prism of news corp right so you know that's not a surprise that's not not a secret absolutely and and that's perfectly fine but yes there is a valid point to be said that you know why isn't nine entertainment fronting up why isn't seven west media i don't think abc or sbs have anything to say in a media diversity um discussion unless you're talking about racial diversity or cultural diversity in which case abc probably has a lot to answer for and i would argue sbs you know managing board of directors probably have a lot to answer for as well but um yeah, it, it would be nice to find out from Nine Entertainment why you know some of the 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 boring faces have been there now for forty years and, and why they aren't changing them up. I don't know. Yeah, for me, I mean, there has been Senate inquiries in the past, you know, into journalism in Australia, and it's discussed media diversity. But you know, we we really do have one of the most highly concentrated media markets in the in the world. Uh, and we, we have a handful of companies who own everything. We're focusing on News Corp, but I, I think it's also worth being like, you know, that that in terms of the media diversity aspect of it is just one part of the problem. You know, I, I don't have, uh, you know, like... I think we like just because there is there are so few media companies that are doing anything different and new, it kind of limits the views and and voices that we get. And and, and ultimately, I I mean, I I I know why this paragraph was written. It was to be like you know we're kind of being hard done by. Uh, this is a uh, you know as you said before a witch hunt. And and, and and you know I think that's you know I, maybe I wouldn't call it a witch hunt, but it was very clearly meant to be about News Corp. But I do think the media diversity problem 
goes beyond News Corp. They're a big part of it. But we should also be like, what are we doing to like, you know, get some, I don't know, get some fresh blood in here, get some, you know, a bit of colour and movement. Um, that and and I and I would like to see that come up a little bit more in the inquiry. If yeah, we could. absolutely. And and not just that, it's also the conversation of why is so much of Australian media in the hands of so few. In the end, that's what the media diversity, you know, discussion was always going to be focused on. And it doesn't and if you only focus on one group, then it does let the others off the hook. And I don't think that is fair. Yeah. Now, finally, here's something kind of interesting that I spotted. Yahoo uh, Finance in the US reported that the number of hedge funds mm-hmm. in one measure buying News Corp stock is at an all-time high with 37 hedge funds from one kind of measure that they have of it buying the stock up from their highest ever at 35, up from 24 a year ago. This is kind of incredible to me. I was told that the media is a dying business for so long. Sammy, are you going to be buying some News Corp stock? I mean, look, I, my current entire stock investment plan is there's. Um, all right, I'll, I'll tell you about this. There's an app. There's an <laughs> here app we go. I'm called, like my hands. <laughs> strap in. There's an app called Raise. R A I Z, and basically, it's basically stock investment for dummies, right? So you put a little bit of money in there, and they invest it for you, and they do roundups of every purchase you make, and whatever you know, and they kind of invest that. And I don't know what they've invested it in um and i I'm, i use it more less for investment i use it more as a way of like locking money away so i can't hand mm. so i can grab it and spend it on another watch um because of my my burgeoning watch collection but um you know what i i don't think you would ever be stupid to better news corp they, you don't last this long in this industry without knowing how to um, increase your valuation from time to time. I think that they have been very smart over the last couple of years, and and, and they are they've they've figured out that digital transformation. That's the truth. I, yes. Um, uh, like you know, for, for a long time there was concerns: what is going to happen with you know news and in in content on the internet? Is it going to just be free? And we've talked about the news media bargaining code and how News Corp for years and years stuck to their guns, being like Facebook and Google are going to pay for content. And for for like a decade, people like that's that's idiotic. That's not how the internet works. And uh, they have the last laugh. You know, they're they're yeah. getting global deals worth in tens of millions of dollars every year at least. Um, it, things have kind of worked out well. As for investing, um, uh, this is not financial advice, but I've actually bought my first. Uh, uh, I think like if you say Bitcoin, I'm walking away of, of Bitcoin. <laughs> God damn it, man. <laughs> There's a friend uh, of mine who's a comedian who's doing this thing about like red, you know, like um, basically signs of things a man says that you shouldn't date him for. Uh, uh-huh. and, like, I just bought Bitcoin is definitely up there on that list. <laughs> well, Sammy, I, I guess Wait, we how can't, much did you buy? Oh, like thirty-five dollars worth. Okay, I, I, so I'm a sh- tech reporter. I should probably like I just wanted some idea about how yes. the kind of space worked and. and and look, I'm not going to talk about crypto. I'm I'm I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, in kind of it all, and I think it goes beyond the cryptocurrency stuff. But that you is, are that... one week away from telling me how much I need to listen to Joe Rogan's next podcast. <laughs> this is how it happens. You get a protein shake, and yeah, all right. No, there's only one podcast for me, and that's Murdocracy. That's right. That's right. 
So every week we try to provide some balance. You know, we believe in a balanced news media, much like a balanced diet. And therefore, we provide balance on News Corp by providing a example of something good that News Corp has done this week and something naughty that News Corp has done this week. Um, which one do you want to go with? I'm going to take good. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I, have, I have one that has come out of the Mission Zero, the Net Zero by 2050 campaign that I thought actually was quite good. Mm-hmm. It's by uh, Charis Chang, who was writing for news.com.au. The headline is why Australia only has 10 years to act on climate change. Already, that's you know a bit further than the rest of the campaign. Mm-hmm. Why I awarded it my little gold star of the week is because it actually mentions the IPCC report. Now, I've, you know, yacked on that about that enough. We know what I kind of think about that. What shocked me was I was looking through Joe Hildebrand, what he wrote about all of the... Um, all, all, all of his pieces. You know, he's the, the, the face of this campaign. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that he never once mentioned the world's biggest climate re- science report that came out just two months ago. It nev- never came up. And I was like, how is this possible? And of course, the reason is because this campaign doesn't really entirely make sense if you pay attention to this. Um, Chang here has mentioned it. It's, it's a great piece. I highly recommend you read it. It's on news.com.au, which is Australia's most viewed commercial news website. Um, I think that's what we need more of, not less of. Good for right. them. Good for Excellent. them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and now a bad take. <laughs> so uh, this is a piece that uh, Terry McCann has published in the Herald Sun. And it is basically a, I, I don't want to say back rub or, or head massage, but it's definitely a homage to the king. Where it's, it's, it's a piece called Rupert Murdoch and his most amazing decade ever. And it <laughs> might as well have been titled My Boss and Why I Love Him So Much So He Can Give Me Another Raise. It is so embarrassing. It is so shamelessly sniveling. You read that and you feel embarrassed for Terry McCann and then also disgusted by Terry's complete lack of spine. There, there, are, there are definitely things floating in the ocean right now that have, have more vertebrae than Terry has shown in this piece. It is remarkable. To me, the mo- the truly astonishing aspect is that when Murdoch l- launched on the most extraordinary decade of entrepreneurial innovation and breathtaking risk-taking uh, and, most of all, success that the world has ever seen, mm-hmm. he had already been building his News Corp for 34 years and he's still there. Wow. What really, a man. You know, just like <laughs> I, I really feel like you've, you know, held him to account. Good on you, Terry, for having <laughs> having the guts to to tell the boss what you really think. There's a really fa- they, you, I can't find it anymore. I was looking for it recently. There used to be a very famous clip of uh, of um Rupert Murdoch being interviewed on Fox News by a senior Fox News journalist. Uh it says about a decade ago and a half ago. And at one point, the journalist asked a question about some issue Riff Fox News is having, or R- Rupert Murdoch is having, and Rupert Murdoch says, I don't feel like talking about that. And the journalist says, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't know I shouldn't have asked about it, and Ooh. moved on. <laughs> and, and that very much, you know, there's always been this thing from uh, News Corp, which is that, look, Rupert Murdoch doesn't oversee editor, doesn't have editorial oversight, and, you know, we have independence and everything like that. And I don't think he commissioned this article, but I don't think he needed to commission this article. I I think it's very much a case of sometimes people know which side the bread is buttered on and they want to make sure that that bread is very happy with the quality of butter being put on it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Alrighty. Thank you, everyone, for listening. That is it for this week. Mm-hmm. If you haven't already subscribed, you can, of course, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, just about anywhere. And, and as always, I really recommend joining our podcast group on Facebook. It's called Murdocracy. We we chat there throughout the weeks. We ask people for story ideas as well. We, we'd love it if you joined us in there. I just want to point out, by the way, that um, something you haven't mentioned is we did a bit of a um, uh, we had a bit of a victory in the iPod rankings by overtaking. Ah. Who was it? <laughs> uh, it was the Bolt Report. We were more successful. We were listened by more people than the Bolt Report. So there you go. We're here. We've landed. We're the big time now, baby. <laughs> Thanks to Kevin McLeod for our theme music, Ruby Innes for our artwork, and of course, thanks to you, Sammy. Thank you so much for having me, Cam. Bye. Bye.